Your giant is dead. And that is today's Morning Moxie. Welcome to the Morning Moxie Show. I'm your host, Alicia Sharp, and today we have Louis Giglio again, and he is finishing out the first segment of his teaching, Goliath Must Fall. Even though our giants are dead, we must continually crush them and put them under our feet. I hope you enjoy Louis Giglio. God. So the third thing that comes out of this in our frame, and we'll use this on every idol that we talk, every um, giant that we talk about. But the third frame is this, and it's we've got to come and understand where we just left off, that your giant is dead. Your giant's dead. Now, this is theology again, because it doesn't make sense in time and space. Because You're like, you know, Louis, he's not because he was like uh, demoralizing me today. He was taunting God today. Um, You know, I I actually kind of been under this giant's control today. So he's definitely there. He's definitely real. It's definitely got power. It definitely has a hold on me. And all that may be true in in, in in the span of time and space. But outside of time and space, we have to understand this today. Jesus finished the work on the cross and he destroyed and defeated the enemy and rendered Satan powerless in his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's never doing that again. So we're not gonna roll up and say, hey, I've got a giant. And Jesus is gonna say, oh, okay, I'll go die for your giant. I'll go down to the depths for your giant. I'll be raised up on the third day to give you victory over your giant. That's not gonna happen. Jesus died one time for all time, defeated all of sin, all of death, all of hell, all of darkness, and it is finished and it is done. And our giants are dead. They're dead. And, I, and you're like, no, hang on a second. Cause you're like, hello, I, I, that sounds great. The preach is really great, but my, my giant is very much alive. And that's true. Your giant is dead, but it still can be deadly. It may be dead, but it still can be deadly. It's like killing snakes. You ever killed snakes? You ever killed snakes before? I know we don't want to talk about snakes, but can we talk about them just for a second? We're going to camp this week. When, when we used to go to camp at First Baptist Church of Atlanta, Georgia, we went to Hilton Head, South Carolina, not staying in a condominium. We didn't go to Harbor Town, uh, but we went to the Presbyterian camp, which was in the, in the jungle. And when I say the jungle, I mean the jungle. This is in the 1970s before most of what you've seen at Hilton Head Island has been imagined. And we would go, this is not on the beach side. It's on the other side of the road. You drive in this little driveway. You kind of go in to the camp and there was a little place to eat. And there was a little chapel for about a hundred people. And there were like five girls cabins in the woods and five guys cabins in the wood and you went down a sandy trail to the cabins in the middle of each cabin was a bathhouse bathhouse didn't have doors or windows bathhouse was open so at night when you had to go to the bathroom and you're a camper in your you know little cabin you had to traipse outside in the jungle through the snakes and the alligators and the scorpions and the spiders and whatever else was out there and go in a bathhouse that didn't have doors or windows and go in a stall that didn't have doors or windows and sit on a toilet that didn't have doors or windows and sit in there in the dark and just wait for something to come and devour you while you were going to the bathroom. I'm telling you, kids would go, some kids would go like four or five days without going to the bathroom at this camp. I mean, it was, it was for real. I'm talking for real jungle. 
And so in between the weekends, when you got to be a college student, you'd go the weekend before. It was a, a week for 7th and 8th grade, a week for ninth and 10th grade, and a week for 11th and 12th grade. And if you're a college kid, you'd set up the weekend before, counselor, stay the weekend, counselor, stay the weekend, counselor, and tear down the weekend after. I'm talking six weeks at Hilton Head. That's what we got once we were seniors and college students. And so we would put out lime around all the cabins because snakes don't like lime. And we'd try to keep the snakes away. But on the weekends, Andy, Stanley, and I would go out with another buddy or two, and we'd go out snake hunting just to kind of let the snakes know what's up, you know? Let them know we're here, and, and we're, we're going to be here for a couple of weeks now, and you don't want to mess with anything, so just go wherever you came from and let everything be peaceful. So we would go out into the grassy areas at night once it got dark with a flashlight in one hand and a baseball bat in the other hand, and we start looking for snakes in the grass. The grass would be about this deep. And so we're walking very carefully looking, and I'm not kidding. You would, at five minutes, bingo, I got one right here, copperhead. Three feet long, about this fat, just kind of cruising through the grass. And it's like, I got him. And what would you do? You would kind of look around, make sure, you know, brother or sister weren't right behind you because they might get angry when they saw it happen. And you just take your best shot and just pulverize that thing right on the head. Bam! And then what would you do? You'd hit it 50 more times on the head. Bam! 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 You'd hit it until its head was as thin as this piece of paper right here. And you're holding a light on it, and you're looking, yeah, one more, yeah, I can't recognize anything, bam, I don't even see anything that looks like a head, bam. And then what would you do? You would take, because it's kind of sandy soil, you take the bat barrel, you'd put it on the head, or what used to be, you'd grind it down into the dirt, grab the body, put your flashlight down facing, grab the body, and snatch it until you pop what was the head off of the body. Isn't that awesome? I'm thinking we're wearing tennis shoes probably, you know, some shorts crazy. And then you'd kick the sand back in the hole with your shoes, kind of pat it down over the remains of what was once the head. And then you'd pick up your flashlight and your snake by the tail. I don't know why we carried the snakes around, I guess, because it was like trophies or something. And you'd go looking for the next snake. After an hour, you'd have a dozen snakes by the tail. And you know what snakes do, even without their heads? They're just crawling all up your arm, wrapping themselves around. And I'm telling you, you're walking and you're trying to be cool and you're trying to know the, the heads are buried. I snapped them all off. I crushed them all beyond recognition. I buried them down in the earth. I popped that thing loose. I looked at it. There is no head on the end of this snake. So these are headless things crawling up my arm. And you keep telling yourself that. I know these don't have heads, but you're going, oh, oh, oh. And we'd all walk back up to the little center area where the, you know, the meeting buildings were, and we'd pile all the bodies up in the middle, and they just kind of writhe in a little pile, headless, you know, for a while. I don't even remember what we did with them after that, something that probably wasn't great, probably terrorized somebody with them. And that's the best picture I can give us of the time-space theology of the finished work of Jesus. Satan has been defeated. He's done, has been defeated. Now, understand this. He's still real. And your giant has been defeated, but your giant is still deadly and dangerous. That's why we ground the heads into nothing and buried them in the sand. 
Do you know that if you had a rattlesnake in your backyard, maybe you know this, if not, it'd be a helpful thing to know, and you decided, you know, you saw it and you were going to kill it, so you took like a hoe or something and just chopped it in half, and eventually after, you know, withered, withered around for a while, it died, and then you just let it lay there, and eventually it kind of deteriorated, and all the skin kind of eventually died off, and you just had like a little skeleton of a snake there in your yard, say two months later, and you walked out into your yard barefoot two months later and stepped on the mouth of that rattlesnake, poison would go out of the fangs and into your foot because that poison was spring-loaded there, and any pressure on that fang released that poison even two months after the snake is dead. And that's the very point that's a little bit like the theology we're trying to unfold. Satan is defeated. Amen? Is Jesus going to fight him anymore? No. He has rendered him powerless in his death, burial, and resurrection. But if you step on his fangs, he will still poison your foot. Because we're not in heaven yet. And the enemy is still at loose on planet earth. And he still has poison in his mouth and poison in his fangs. And if you listen to him, he will let that poison seep into your life. And it will diminish your hope and diminish your expectations of what your life can be. And before long, you may be praising God and accommodating a giant in your life. You may be praising God while there's an elephant in the room that's been there year after year after year, taunting God and tormenting you. And it's not because the giant is alive. It's just because we didn't know that we didn't have to step on its fangs anymore. That we didn't have to listen to its voice anymore. And not only that, that we could start talking to the giant. And we could listen to God talking to us about who we are. In Christ. You see, this is the power of the gospel. Jesus is David in the story. So Jesus has killed Goliath, and then David cuts his head off, which is really powerful. You know, he's already dead. Why didn't he just say, hey, he's dead? Why didn't he just go, well, look, he's dead, everybody. All right, congratulations, kid. He did it with one shot, man. That's, that's amazing. He's dead. He's not moving. Look, he's not breathing. Look, look, I'm, look, he's not moving. He's done. He's dead. David said, no, he's going to be dead all right. I'll show you he is dead. The scripture says he had died. But David takes his sword out of the sheath, little kid, and he lifts his big giant sword up, which we know is heavy because even with Saul's sword was hard for him to handle, but he gets it up in one big stroke with the power of God and he chops Goliath's head off. Now, I don't know, but I hope it was one fell swoop because if he had to go at it like six or eight times, that's really gory and gross and I'm not really sure I want to see that. I'm hoping that the weight of that thing just took it in one fell swoop. And then David, little kid, big giant, you know, he picks the head up. Don't you love that? Oh, not to show his brothers. He's showing the Philistine army. Here's your boy. Just a few minutes ago, that mouth right there was taunting my God. But I don't hear it talking right now. I don't hear it saying anything right now. You got anything to say now about our God, the God, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? The God who spoke the universe into being, the God who created everything that is, the God of the angel armies is our God. And guess what? Goliath's not talking anymore.
Well, that was Louis Giglio, and you can find that clip if you search on YouTube under Louis Giglio, Goliath Must Fall, Part 1. You can also find out more information about him and all of his resources, his new book, Goliath Must Fall, and just so many different resources that he has available if you go to his website at louisgiglio.com. That is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Morning Moxie. If you get a chance, please rate and review this podcast. And I will see you again tomorrow for Fun Friday. Have a great day. God bless.